This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. Three quick things before we get started. First of all, big thanks to Plant Yourself Podcast patrons, Michael Warabeck and Tammy Black. Thank you so much for your financial contributions that help this podcast exist and grow. Anyone who wants to become a patron and get mentioned here or not, if you're shy, you can do so at plantyourself.com on the right sidebar. There are links to click and donate. Second thing is I have discovered social media. I have begun posting stuff on Facebook that I hope is valuable. And I do so on two pages, the Plant Yourself page and also the Triangle Be Well page, which is my um, practice, my practice of informed medical decision making and health coaching to help people break free of the medical mill and achieve true wellness. Third, I have a course that will be released soon, online course with lots and lots of very short videos um, on how to transition to a plant-based diet. No surprise there. More information will be forthcoming when it's ready. Now to today's guest. Chef AJ keeps coming back on this podcast because she's so darn funny and so darn wise and extremely blunt and vivacious and passionate and she knows her stuff. And today she's going to be talking about weight loss. I heard her give this talk in Raleigh at the VegFest in my uh, home state of North Carolina and the clarity with which she explains why we become overweight and obese and what we can do about it and why most of the strategies that we try don't work and why there's a multi multi billion dollar weight loss industry that's predicated on the fact that it doesn't work and how we can free ourselves. And so I wanted to get her on the phone and have her do a repeat performance. Her concepts like the red line eating to the left of the red line and her use of Barbara Roll's work on volumetrics. It just makes it so easy. And her example and the example of thousands of people that she's helped break free from struggles with weight and not just break free from weight struggles, but break free from the obsessive thinking about weight. She doesn't require you to take a scale with you wherever you go and constantly fret about each bite of food. It really is freedom from obsession from worry so you can get on with your life. And it's so great to talk to her and to share her with you guys. And so without further ado, Chef AJ, welcome back to the Plant Yourself podcast. It's so nice actually seeing you this time. Oh, well, thank you. I, I you appreciate it. I have a new no haircut. <laughs> um, I'm wearing my normal December clothes, and we're having a crazy global warming day. It's about 80 degrees outside, so I made. You're kidding! It's actually colder in California than it is in North Carolina right now. Then. Yeah, so I may strip before the end of the. Okay. Well, we've actually flipped weather patterns, apparently. Yeah, I'm, I'm wishing I had short sleeves today, but uh, let, let's talk about some things that can um, save the climate and the environment as well as uh, each of us and help us get slim, right? Sure. So I wanted to talk to you since you came out to, to Raleigh very kindly a couple of months ago for the Raleigh Veg Fest, and you gave a fantastic talk on ultimate weight loss. Thank you. And you've, you've been on the show before, and we've talked about right. a little bit about your story, but I think, I think it needs some recapitulation because the question is, look at you, you're all skinny. What the heck, <laughs> Thank you. What the heck do you know about weight loss? 
Well, I think I know a little bit because I suffered for over 50 years with either being overweight, obese, as well as suffering from food addiction and emotional eating. When I was 11 years old, I weighed 160 pounds and I'm only 5'6 now. And I certainly wasn't 5'6 when I was 11. I don't really know how tall I was at that point, but I knew I was obese. And this is something that I've struggled with for over 50 years and I finally figure it out. And this is why I'm so excited to share it with people because it's, it's not really a secret. I call my lecture, the secrets of ultimate weight loss, but this secret has actually been around for a really long time. And it's been written in many best-selling books, even by plant-based icons like Dr. John McDougall, who wrote the McDougall Program for Maximum Weight Loss, a best-selling book that came out in 1985, and Dr. Dean Ornish, who wrote another best-selling book called Eat More, Way Less. So these principles have been around for a while, but for some reason, I just didn't discover them till a few years ago. The thing was, is even though I had been vegan, I've been vegan for almost 40 years now, but I was still obese because... Being vegan does not necessarily mean being healthy. I, my whole story is in my book on process, but just very quickly, I became vegan for ethical reasons, which is wonderful, at the age of 17 while attending the University of Pennsylvania, but I did everything wrong. All I ate was a junk food vegan diet, sugar, flour, oil, you know, fake foods like you know, soda pop and french fries, these are vegan, but they're not health promoting. And at the age of 43, I woke up bleeding profusely with the beginnings of colon cancer, even though I hadn't eaten animal products in over 26 years. So I'm passionate about people not just eating a plant-based diet, but eating a health promoting plant-based diet so that they don't go down the same road I did, which really wasn't a very fun road, but now I'm at the other side. So it's, it's pretty cool now. So you you've talked about I, I watched the uh, the video you sent me of your uh, presentation at the McDougal weekend mm -hmm. and one of the things that really struck me was this information was as you say is not a secret it was out no. there you were sort of stumbling over it but not picking up on it what do you think were some of the stumbling blocks in your own thinking um, that that kept you from seeing what you now see is so obvious? I think it was my addiction to processed foods, specifically sugars and flowers, because I had read those books. I owned those books. But for some reason, you know, just, re just you know, it just didn't register. And it really wasn't until I was ready. You know, they say when the student's ready, the master appears. When I reread these books, it was like, oh, wow, well, that's it. But I think because I was so addicted to sugar and flour, I didn't want any program that would not allow me to eat these highly addictive foods. And then when I finally declared abstinence from these highly addictive foods, sugar, flour, and alcohol, that really is what food addiction really is processed food addiction. We can't be addicted to food. It's not the best name for a disease because we have to eat. But we know that sugar is addictive in all its forms, real and fake. Flowers are addictive in all their forms, and so is alcohol. And it's these refined carbohydrates that drive the addiction of food addiction. And you know, I, I never drank, so that wasn't a problem. But it wasn't until I was really ready to give up the sugars and the flowers that I could see these programs for what they were and have them work for me. Because like I said, they've been around forever. It's based on the principle of calorie density, which was thoroughly researched by Dr. Barbara Rolls, who I had the privilege of interviewing. She's a researcher at Penn State University, and she wrote a series of best-selling books on the subject of calorie density called Volumetrics. And so it's not that this is new. It's just that if you're following calorie density, which is eating foods that have the highest nutrients and the lowest calorie density, so you can literally eat twice as many food, twice as much food and take in half as many calories, things like sugars and flours and oils, you know, in, in animal products and even, you know, nuts and seeds to a degree, these very high calorie or high fat foods, well, they're also calorically dense, so they're not going to foster weight loss the same way as the whole foods that are found in nature, like fruits, vegetables, whole grains and legumes.
And when people come to you today for ultimate weight loss, do you find them having sort of the same the same issues? Is it addiction or are they just confused? Yeah, no, they're, they're not confused. They're highly intelligent people that have suffered for a very long time. But the pull of these processed sugars and flours is, is greater than even cocaine and heroin. There's been so much research done now by people in France like Dr. Serge Ahmed and wonderful researchers like Dr. Joan Iflin and Dr. Pam Peek who have wrote books like Sugars and Flowers, How They Make Us Crazy sick and fat that shows that sugar is actually more addictive than either cocaine and heroin. And they use brain scans and MRIs to prove this. And the thing is, is these people are addicted just like I was to the sugars and flowers. And it's very hard to break an addiction. Cause you know, I don't know if you ever really break an addiction, just like, I know, you know, you teach a lot about habits and I'm not sure you ever really break a habit. I think what you do when you have an addiction or a bad habit is you replace it with healthier ones. And, and that's what I, I think uh, what, what we try to teach people. But it is hard because, see, here's the thing. You know, there's another expert in this field named Dr. Roger Gould, who I also got to interview. He's uh, considered the world's expert on emotional eating. He has a program, the Shrink Yourself program. You might want to interview him. He's fascinating. And he uh, wrote a book called Shrink Yourself. And he doesn't get into what the healthiest diet is, which is actually good because then he doesn't say that our way of eating is unhealthy. He, he gets into just the emotional aspect of eating. And he says that unless a person is willing to learn how to control their stress, they're never going to be able to control their weight. And so what happens? Is, is that people have stress in their lives or maybe they've had trauma or early childhood trauma or you know sadness or whatever emotional things that happen to human beings when they're on planet earth and so what they do is many people actually turn to things like drugs and alcohol which we know are addictive but a lot of people turn to food specifically processed food food like processed food is very cheap it's easily affordable it's readily available it's socially acceptable and what happens is when you're using a substance to medicate and you never deal with the why of why you're medicating, it's very difficult to break that cycle. So a lot of people want the results, but they don't want to do the work to figure out why they're they're needing these substances. And this is really the hard part because I'm sure you know that anybody can lose weight. People have, people can lose weight on any diet. All diets work. What's hard is the maintenance. And if you don't look at the why of why you're using the foods to medicate, whether it's sadness or loneliness or anger or, or boredom or grief or trauma, you're not going to really heal and become whole. And that's the hard part. And I'm not a psychologist. And so I, I have to help people with this as best I can. I can teach them how to get the food right, but I can't fix their entire lives. But at least we start the conversation and get them looking at these issues. And, and, and then hopefully they can heal from, from the inside out. Right. And then I just saw, a, I think uh, Del Shroff is a friend of yours, too, yes, right? he's wonderful. Love him. He just posted a manifesto in a... Um, it was great. You, I saw, you saw that. that. One of the things he said is you have to deal with the emotions that are causing you to eat in the first place, that are causing you to binge and starve. I actually reposted that, just that one sentence on my Facebook page, because it's, it's absolutely true. And, you know, everyone wants the results, but nobody wants to do the work. And for some people, this inner work, people are afraid to do, and they think it, that it's going to maybe unleash you know, some demons or whatever. And the, the truth is, is the thinking about it, just like anything else in life, Howard is scarier than the actual doing of it. But like they say, the only way out is through. And I'll tell you, you know, the pain that this disease causes, the the, the food addiction, being overweight or obese or having a lifestyle disease from it. It's that pain is so much worse than than the pain that they're trying to mask. It really is because now they've created another problem, and dealing with it is really 
is what's going to give them relief. But but also you have to get the food right. So, you know, like I always say, if Sigmund Freud would manifest today magically and, and you could get psychoanalyzed by him, but you still ate crap food, you're not going to get the results. So it's, it's a, you know, two sides of, of a coin. You need to get the food right and you also need to do the work to figure out why you're using that. It's, it's very, it's very hard though, because see, our environment is not set up to support this. First of all, it's not even set up to necessarily even support plant-based eating, especially plant-based eating. It's getting better than it has in the last 40 years, but the environment is going to be crucial to a person's success. Whatever change they're trying to make in the direction of dietary or lifestyle change, your environment is going to be the number one predictor of your success. And one of the mantras in the Ultimate Weight Loss Program is if it's in your house, it's in your mouth. So if somebody is alcoholic and they go to rehab, when they get out, they certainly don't keep alcohol in their house. And they probably don't go to bars or places that are serving alcohol. You can avoid alcohol. You can avoid cocaine, things like that in life. You don't go to the places where these things are being served. But how do you avoid processed food? It's insidious. It's everywhere. I have a dog named Bailey. And when I go to Petco to get her a leash, why is there human snacks at the register? Why are they selling M&Ms at Petco? Why, when I go to the hardware store to buy screws or whatever, again, why are they selling candy at a hardware store? I recently visited a friend in the hospital. And after I parked, before I even got into the hospital, now I know hospitals are known for serving crap food. They want to give you the stuff that's going to keep you there longer. And I know the cafeterias aren't known for serving good food, but why were there three vending machines in the hospital parking lot selling ice cream and Red Bull and Cheetos in the parking lot? So you can't get away from it. If you watch television with commercials, there's ads for highly palatable food. If you subscribe to most blogs, if you read magazines looking at bill, you can't get away from it. So it's very hard because our environment is not going to support us. All right. Well, when I first got into this field, and I, I came across uh, Dr. Joel Furman's concept of toxic hunger. Right. It, it all makes perfect sense. If we're all walking around, you never know when someone's going to need a hit. Right. Right. We're exactly. All- and, you know, I love that because the truth is, is, you know, food, not, food can be very pleasurable. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have pleasure from it or have social interactions with food. But the thing is, is really what food was intended for was for hunger and survival. And anytime you, you, anytime you eat out of the demands of true hunger, you're probably going to have a problem, which is going to end up in you being overweight or have a disease. And the thing is, is when you eat whole natural foods like fruits, vegetables, whole grains and legumes, these satisfy your hunger. But when you eat processed foods like sugars and flours and oils and animal products, they have no fiber, they have no nutrients, you can't get satiety. You're not, you're always going to be driven to overeat. And, you know, I was watching this show, a very sad show called My 600 Pound Life with people that are 600 pounds or more awaiting gastric bypass surgery. And when you see what these folks eat, which is interesting because a lot of them are bedridden and they're not even going out. Somebody's bringing them in the food. But when you see what they eat, what are they eating? They're eating fried chicken. They're eating Things like, you know, refined carbohydrates, pancakes with syrup, you know, all that. They're not eating food. They're not eating any whole natural food. Americans eat less than 10% of their calories from fruits and vegetables, 92% of their calories from animal products and processed food. You know, we have these things called stretch receptors, nutrient receptors, and calorie receptors lining our digestive tracts that, that, that contribute to satiety. There's a thing called, they're called the mechanisms of satiation. And if most of your diet is, is what Americans are eating, you know, some vegans eat 100% of their calories from vegan processed food. So if you're eating food that's direct of nutrients, direct of fiber, and what's going to happen is your hunger signals are never going to shut off. 
because your brain is going to keep telling you to eat, eat, eat because you are hungry. You're starving on a cellular level. And that's the problem with eating these highly processed foods, things like sugars and flours. Right. I think Tony Robbins had the phrase or he borrowed it, uh, riding east looking for the sunset. Mm, that, that's, what, that's what they're doing. They're chasing their tail. And, and that's what it's like. And the thing is, is, you know, what happens is they habituate. So just like in any kind of addiction, whereas like, you know, you might go and, you know, might go get a Cinnabon one time, eat it and like it. But now you really like it because it's, it's increased the amount of uh, dopamine in your brain. Now you want to do it again and again. And what happens is, is you keep using, whether it's drugs, alcohol or processed food, you don't really get more pleasure. What happens is, is you have to keep using it now not to feel good so that you don't feel bad. And I'm reading a wonderful book right now on habits. And what it's saying is that when people have these destructive habits like compulsive eating, overeating, drugs and alcohol, that they're not even using to feel good, that they're using it to avoid something in their life and to not feel bad. And so that therein is where the problem lies. And that is not my area of expertise. Mine is is getting the food right. Right. So do you find that there are people who who don't have that secondary emotional response and they're just pure and simple, just addicted to the food? And, and you know, so can, can they be separated? Right. Well, you know, that I, 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 this is going to be a great question for Joan Iflin, who you might want to interview. You know, there's a few people out there and not many that are overweight because they really don't know what to eat. Like a perfect example is I knew this, this guy who worked in the Silicon Valley or is it the Silicon Valley? Sorry, I get those two words mixed up. And he was think, a young guy. I think Madonna wears the silicones. Yeah, right. I always get silicone and silicone because I always, I used to say Silicon Bake where it's silicone, but, but he worked in, you know, he worked like for a Google like company up there. And so they work really, really long hours. And, you know, he was a young guy and, out of, you know, out of college, never learned how to cook. And he basically ate, you know, the fast food diet. And, and that, that it, it was just he had no time. It wasn't that he didn't have any money. And that's kind of what he ate. You know, all his meals were fast food. And when we started working together and, and we changed his diet, he wasn't a food addict. He was really literally just not knowing what to eat because of time. He, he got slender and he didn't have these issues, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a food addict to begin with. You know, food addiction is a biogenetic disease that we're born with. Some doctors, even some in the plant-based movement, don't believe it's real, but the people that do believe it's real are working very hard to get it in the DSM so that it's an actual diagnosis. And so I think there are people like this gentleman that didn't have emotional reasons to overeat. He was crunched for time. He just, this is, he just got the food wrong. But I would say that at least most people, I've only worked with a couple thousand people now, but most people I meet, there is some kind of underlying thing. Often in case of women, it's it's some trauma, early childhood trauma, especially sets you up for this disease. So there's a lot of things going on. I think women are more predisposed to it than men. So I think if you've had this problem for a long time, especially childhood, unless your parents really just didn't know what to feed you, there's, there usually is some kind of underlying emotional component, which again, nobody seems to want to deal with. And I get it because it's hard, but I'll tell you, living in a body that is not your right size or having a disease or having this compulsion to always think about food and have cravings, you know, that's hard too. So I guess you have to just choose what's harder. Mm. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, it's, it's what just popped into my mind when you said having a body that's not the right size is... Um, you know, a, a, a cousin of mine by marriage has, has um, produced this TV show on Amazon called Transparent about. Uh, wow. And so I've been thinking a lot about the sort of the transgender 
yeah. uh, movement and and you know something that's come into my consciousness. And when you said like not living in your right body, right? Like I like all of a sudden like I I'm just having this tremendous wave of compassion for people who are obese who feel like right. they, like like this isn't me. But, no. but, but, and I don't know, you know, if you're, if you want to become transgender, there are sort of clear medical and lifestyle steps you can take. And it seems like it would be so much easier for weight loss, but it's not. Well, you know, <laughs> boy, that, it, that's, that's a, this is, this is a great question because there are steps people can take. They could go to the McDougal uh, live-in program. They can go to True North. So they could, there are steps people can take. I think part of the problem is, is what do they do when they get out? You know, because we all know we can lose weight, you know, something like 98% of people that lose weight gain it all back within two years. It, it is, uh, it's a chronic problem. And just like, you know, I was born with asthma. I don't know if I'll ever not be asthmatic. It's something that I have to manage. You know, I don't know if you ever cure food addiction. I don't know if you ever cure obesity, but it definitely can be managed, but it's something you have to do every single day. Like, you know, you don't just exercise like once and then say, Oh, I'm done. Yeah. You, it's something you, you know, lifestyle is something you have to keep at. You know, I, it, the thing is, Howard, if, if, if you want your life to change, you have to be willing to change your lifestyle. You have to learn these good habits and you have to practice them every day. You have to be consistent. And it is very, very hard. I do think that the emotional underlying uh reason which if it's if it's always left undealt with i think it's always going to be knocking at your door to to call you back addiction is a very very powerful influence and unfortunately the only thing that works for it is abstinence people don't like that concept it's not sexy it affects their social life you know people want to be able to eat as much crap as they want and drink alcohol but they want a body that looks like you know somebody on, you know, in the movies. And unfortunately, most people can't have it both ways. And, you know, my husband works in the industry. And I went to a party where I saw a lot of these famous actresses. And let me tell you, they do something to look that way, right? You know, they're not just eating whatever the heck they want, whenever they, whenever they want, they are doing something to get those kind of bodies. And unless you're one of the lucky, I think something like 10% of the people like my husband, who's six feet and 140 pounds and can eat anything, but chooses to eat this way. Most of us are not going to be slender if we eat any version of the standard American diet or a junk food vegan, a junk food version of a, of a vegan diet, you know, mm -hmm. or at least not for long. Right. And, you know, the other thing that comes to mind is when you talk about um, people who are not dealing with difficult emotions, Right. Um, you know, if you, you talk about a culture of in which we are enabled to eat junk food, boy, are we enabled in this culture to numb out whenever yeah. we're feeling anything um, unpleasant. I, I spent the weekend uh, listening to a, uh, a very wise Canadian elder, Stephen Jenkinson, who, uh, who works with people on death and dying. And he mm -hmm. talked about we, we are such a death phobic culture we're unwilling to look at anything we can and, and we have you know now we have little electronic devices in our hands that we can use to numb out anytime we want so if it's yeah. if it's not food you know if, 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 if it's food like at least you have something to hold on to um right. i think i think this is sort of pandemic yeah you know and and, and the thing is is uh, you know here's the thing about addiction and 
I don't think they're necessarily necessarily addicted to ice cream or they love ice cream. What they're addicted to is the artificial stimulation of dopamine in the brain. And all addictions do that. So for example, it's funny you mentioned about technology. So this is my little phone and everybody makes fun of me because it's a flip phone. I do not text. I do not get little beeps or notifications or, or things like that on that. And the research has shown that those little beeps that people get when they have a text message you know, people become addicted to their technology. They hear the beep and, you know, like the dog salivating when he hears the bell, dopamine, they have to answer it. And so you're right. I for I don't know why we don't want to feel things in our society. Uh, when we do, we get better. You know, I think the only way you can ever heal is if you're willing to feel. And people think it's going to be some kind of, I, I don't know what they think. They think they're going to go to a psychiatrist and go to, you know, have therapy for years. Not necessarily, you know, what I recommend to people, which is actually really, really affordable, is Dr. Gould's Shrink Yourself Online program. I think it's like $30. I did it years ago. I identified why the reasons I was emotionally eating and actually I've done the program again, just sort of as a tune-up. And I think for the cost, it's I mean, something like $30 for a three-month program where you can identify the why, but mm. you have to be able to, you know, to do it. I don't know why people are just so afraid to feel, but you're right. They are, you know, doing things uh, that get in touch with your body, like yoga, I think is a great way. You know, if you start, it helps you maybe, you know, feel who you are, meditation, all these things, but you're right. People want to run. And, you know, I always say you can only sweep stuff under the carpet for so long because eventually you're going to trip and break your neck. So, um, but, but there are people like, you know, my brother who died of a food addiction that would just, you know, if there was a feeling anywhere, like in the, he would leave the room. He, some, I, I don't know what causes people to have that kind of pain that, uh, makes it so hard. That's not my area of expertise, but I can identify it in people and, um, and, and I can identify that if they don't do something about it, they're going to put the weight back on. I can get anyone skinny. People pay me a lot of money. I've got celebrity clients. I've made many, many people skinny, but I can't keep you skinny if you don't deal with the why that you became overweight in the first place. That is something that I can direct you how to do it. You know, people say, well, I can't afford to go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I get therapy for free every week at UCLA. You can find in your town low cost or free ways. Most places have teaching hospitals if you're in a big city like UCLA. So what I've done every time I feel like I've, I, I still suffer a little bit from anxiety whenever I've needed some tweaking, I've gotten into a study. They'll usually see people for sliding scales where I've gotten therapy by, you know, a real person, you know, not, you know, not you know, not the mechanic at, at the car shop, somebody that's that's getting their PhD or getting their MD, but they need to get certain hours. I've gotten it for five hours. Doesn't necessarily have to be a psychiatrist or psychologist, uh, ministers, you know, priests, rabbis, they usually work for free or donations, you know, so there's ways to get help um, without, you know, having you know, to pay thousands and thousands of dollars. But there, there is, that'd be a great question. Why are people so afraid to do this? I think they're afraid that it's like Pandora's box. If they open the can of worms, they're just going to feel sadder or, or, or worse. And, and the reality is, is nobody I know that's ever gone through this process has ever felt worse. Maybe a little bit for a, a short time, but they always end up feeling better. Right. Well, I think there's a, there's a, a lot, you know, you talked about food as, as a basic survival mechanism. I think a lot of our feelings when we feel bad, you know, for myself, I can, it doesn't take me too many steps to go from, okay, I feel that like I got, I just, I got an email that came in. I don't know what it is, but it's probably from someone who's upset with me. I probably did something really stupid. I'm probably going to lose this client. Um, I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage. I'm going to, my family's going to be homeless and I'm going to be dead on the street. Like, 
like I can go through like that's I, called catastrophic thinking. I do that where you take it to the worst possible scenario, like in two seconds. Yeah. So that any you know, that, so that any time I like dip my toe into the water of feeling my feelings, I can immediately cascade into I'm dead on the street corner. Right. Well, that, that's where cognitive behavioral therapy can really, really help. And and it's it's and, and you know if you, you can even read books on it and, and things like that. You know when you think about it though, all of eating in a way is emotional eating because when a baby cries, what what does the mommy give it? The mm-hmm. boob, you know? So, you know, and kids the same way. Parents start doing that at a very young age, you know? You give, you know, you go to the doctor and you get a shot and you get a lollipop. So, you know, we're trained and groomed from a very young age to use food to to do something, you know, to change our feelings, to change our state. And, and this happens from pretty much birth. Yeah. The other thing that's just come to me is I'm feeling a lot more compassion towards the doctors you know, because like you know, us in the plant-based world, especially around you know Dr. McDougal and Dr. Clapper and and um, you know, we're like you know the medical profession is committing malpractice, right? By not by telling people they got to go on drugs, they've got to have surgeries, and they can't ch- and, and and they're not telling them to change the way they eat, but. Those doctors are just as addicted as everybody else, aren't they? Well, some are. And also the thing is, is what do you do when a patient won't? You know, I think, I mean, I go to a vegan doctor here and he tells all his patients, but they won't do it. So then does he say, well, sorry, I'm going to withhold your, you know, diabetes medication, you know, it, it's it's they're in a they're in a difficult situation. Yeah. Also, most of them haven't learned nutrition in medical school. Very little. It, it is tough. And then you're right. Having compassion is the best thing you can do for all these problems. Because you know, like the Dalai Lama said, if you want to, you know, if if you want to help other people, practice compassion. If you want to help yourself, practice compassion. People that are, at least in my program, that are overweight or obese are not very compassionate with themselves. Mm. They don't seem to like themselves very much. They seem to have low self-esteem. I recommend a book called You Can Heal Your Life to everyone because people really don't seem to like themselves very much. And if you don't like yourself, why would you treat yourself in a manner that's going to make you healthy and slender? You know, you're, you're, it's, it's, so it's all complicated. If I had more time, I'd go back to school and, and, and become a doctor specializing in addiction and all this thing, you know, that, because I, I find that just so fascinating. But but people are complicated human beings, you know. You know, I, like I have a dog and she's not overweight, but if I, I can make her overweight, right, I could never take her out for a walk and I could just give her the wrong food, it would be very easy. So there's nothing really emotionally going on right there. But with people, we have these under emotional underpinnings and they're, we're feeding them the wrong food. So it really is a recipe for disaster. Here's the thing. If somebody was really resistant to doing any emotional work on themselves, but they came to my house and they couldn't leave, they would still get thin because there is no food here to support any other way of being. Right. So it is still possible to get the results without having to deal with it. But, you know, long-term success, I don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll see. You know, I had to do both. I had to get the food right and I had to deal with, you know, my emotional state spiritual mental emotional state as well and that's how i got better yeah and and you know it's 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 so complicated and there's so many feedback mechanisms that i have to wonder whether you know when for, for people who were eating let's say before before there was junk food you know the paleo era when right. when people were just eating mostly a plant-based diet right. and you know they were of, of course running around a lot but they were also right. in, in touch with 
something, you know, a, a life affirming culture. I'm wondering whether people who go plant based and who get, take it seriously, who aren't just get, eating frozen food and takeout, mm -hmm. but who are like going to farmers markets, maybe growing their own a little bit, whether that's healing in and of itself. I think community is healing. You know, if you look at Dan Buettner's work with the Blue Zones, mm -hmm. these people that are the long lived people like the Adventists in Loma Linda. They have community, they have support, and that really is can be critical to somebody's success, especially when they're changing their lifestyle. So I, I think that really, really does help, uh, you know, because here's the thing, the disease of addiction can only exist in isolation. You know, most people that binge don't do it in front of other people, for example. It's a secret disease, mm. at just like most people that drink alcohol or do drugs, unless they're going to like heroin dens, they're usually doing it in secret and private. And so a community is amazing, and that's why I think people that have been successful in groups like AA, I think it's the support that is critical more than necessarily even the program in right. some cases. I think the research the research shows that, that AA's efficacy is largely based on community, on, on the support of other people. Right. And that's what we've done with Ultimate Weight Loss. We have, if you join our program, we have... You know, we have private group support that's in myself and my partner, John Pierre, the, the celebrity fitness and nutritional guru. So we're every single day online supporting these people, uh, celebrating their victories and helping them through any stumbling blocks. And I think that's why it's been successful. Also, as people become successful and share their journey, I think it inspires people because when you see somebody else able to do something, you realize it's, it's also possible for you. So let's let's shift gears a little bit and away from the the psychological aspects yeah. of addiction. Because I know nothing about that, really. <laughs> well, you know, I don't. I don't. I, every, everybody knows their own story, um, and we when we when we put them all together, we can uh, we can gain some 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 degree of truth and compassion about what it's like. But let's let's talk about the food. Yeah. So you know, the person who comes to live at your house and you lock them in and they get thin. What are what are they eating? What are they not eating? And what are the different categories? Sure. And what and what's it like? So what we eat at my house is whole natural food, plant based, of course, foods that are found in nature, which contain water and fiber and vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and antioxidants and micronutrients. The foods that have existed throughout human history that were eaten by our ancestors and still eaten in parts of the world today that are free of the diseases Americans get, like heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and certain cancers. I'm talking about the same foods that Dr. Neil Barnard recommends on the PCRM power plate, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. And the cool thing about Dr. Barbara Rolls in her research lab at Penn State University where she studies human eating behavior is she discovered that if you keep the average calorie density of your food to 550 calories per pound, a day, which are, as luck would have it, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes, you can eat what's called ad libitum, which is as much as you want, as often as you want, whenever you want, until comfortably full. So the great thing about the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, which follows the principles of calorie density, is we don't have to weigh and measure our food. There's other programs out there that people are spending a lot of money from and not being successful and then coming to my program because they're not willing to weigh and measure their food for the rest of their lives or report to somebody the day before what they're gonna eat. I don't know how you can know the day before what you're gonna eat. I don't even know what I, you know, I don't even know what I'm gonna eat at my next meal. So, you know, weighing and measuring definitely works, but it's something then if you're gonna do it, you're gonna have to do it the rest of your life. But what's great about eating in accordance with the principles of calorie density is you can literally eat twice as much food and take in half as many calories because you're eating calorie delight calorie dilute food, which is also 
nutrient-rich food. And because it has fiber and water intact, you have more satiety because it's created by the bulk. So the foods, I mean, the recipes are delicious. Many of them are in my book and on my website, but that's what we do is we eat freely from these four groups. So what we don't eat is processed food and animal products, foods of a caloric density higher than 600 calories a pound. So we don't eat sugar in any of its forms because sugar is 1800 calories a pound. It has no fiber and no nutrients, no water, doesn't create bulk or satiety. We don't eat any bread or flour products because at 1500 calories a pound, it's too calorically dense. So for example, my stomach is about the size of a cantaloupe. It holds about a liter of food. And if I were to fill it with 500 calories of brown rice, which I do, because that's about what I had last night for dinner, it was actually wild rice, I'm going to be full because that is going to activate my stretch receptors and my nutrient receptors. So it's going to be plenty of food. If I take that 500 calories of whole brown rice and grind it into flour to make gluten-free bread or a pastry, I now need three times as much to fill the same space in my tank. I now need 1,500 calories. So the problem is when you process a food, whether it's beets into sugar or corn into oil or, or grains into flour, you make it calorie-rich and nutrient-poor. So now you need exponentially so much more of it to feel full. 16 years of corn is what is needed to make one tablespoon of corn oil. I don't know anybody that could eat 16 years of corn. So we eat whole natural food in its natural state from a plant, not food that's manufactured in a plant. So we don't eat oil. Even before I did ultimate weight loss, I didn't recommend oil just because of the research of Dr. Esselstyn, how it promotes heart disease, obesity, and diabetes. But oil is 4,000 calories a pound. It's the most calorically dense, nutrient-poor food on the planet. Vegetables are 100 calories a pound. Oil is 40 times as calorically dense as vegetables. Fruit is 300 calories a pound. Sugar is 1,800 calories a pound. It's six times as calorically dense as fruit. Potatoes, my favorite food on the planet. Sweet potatoes and potatoes. The more potatoes I eat or ate, the, the slimmer I got. 400 calories a pound. Turn them into potato chips. They're now 2,500 calories a pound. And you've taken away all the fiber and nutrients and added oil and salt, these chemicals that stimulate us to overeat. Grains, whole grains are about 500 calories a pound as opposed to chocolate, which is 2,500 calories a pound, five times as calorically dense. And beans and legumes are about 550 and 600 calories a pound. So that's what we eat. We eat foods, what I call it is foods to the left of the red line. I created this little magnet, refrigerator magnet that people can buy on my website so they know what to eat. Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes, and the foods to the right of the red line. Now, there's some foods to the right of the red line, which are healthful foods, nuts, seeds, and avocado. And I don't tell people not to eat them. But the problem is, is they're higher, higher in caloric density. So an avocado is 750 calories a pound. Nuts and seeds are anywhere from 2,600 to 3,200 calories a pound. Mm -hmm. What happens is these high-fat foods, especially for people that are food addicts, often they can't moderate the use of them. And so I don't tell people to never eat the high-fat whole plant foods. But I say at least in the first 30 days while you're trying to neuroadapt and get used to this, you know, the, the flavors of whole natural food, maybe to put them aside. Because if you are overweight, if you have fat on your body, you're not going to become fatty acid deficient in, in, in 30 days. Some people are able to introduce small amounts of these. Some people like myself just can't do it. One Brazil, I don't even like Brazil nuts. But I was told to eat it for selenium. One Brazil nut will have me binging on something else because I just, I can't do it. My brain just detects that little bit of fat like a, 
and more and more and more. So I can't do it. So you have to know your limitations and what foods are a trigger for you. And, you know, there's people that can't eat even whole natural foods like dates or grapes because there's so much sugar and they're trigger foods for them. So any food that's a trigger food for you, I recommend you don't eat. You definitely keep it out of the house. But most people do really well with all the fruits and vegetables and, you know, potatoes and winter squashes. And there's so much to eat. I, I visited your house. You had potatoes that were the size of your head. I mean, it, it, you know, you, you can get so full eating this way. You know, so many people avoid carbohydrates because they were told that they made them fat. So they don't eat potatoes and rice. These are the foods that make you thin, you know, because the complex carbohydrates are the only foods that satisfy your hunger drive. We emphasize vegetables and ultimate weight loss. We even eat them for breakfast because they help with the cravings for the sugar and the other crap. But the majority of our calories come from starch. And there's nothing as satisfying, in my opinion, as potato or sweet potato or kabocha squash. You turn off your hunger drive by eating these foods. When you eat foods like oils and sugars and, and, and salt and flours, these foods stimulate your hunger drive and make you keep eating, even when you're not hungry. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so what is it about the fiber and water that's so important? Because you, sh- you showed some slides of different foods, of grapes versus right. raisins. Uh, right. What is well, it about fiber and water? So here's another little magnet. I have some of these in my PowerPoint. These are three stomachs. And so the stomach, I don't know if it's on the left or the right, but the the, the stomach that's almost empty has about 400 calories of olive oil. The middle stomach has 400 calories of animal products. I guess it's chicken, but it could be cheese. And the stomach on the right is the foods we recommend in Ultimate Weight Loss Foods to the left of the red line, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and legumes. So the problem is, is, well, fiber is important even even not for weight loss, because what it does is it helps flush out toxins of the, in the body. It helps prevent things like colon cancer. But fiber with water, that's the, that's the key to the weight loss kingdom, because when you have fiber and water, together they create bulk. And bulk is what creates satiety. And satiety literally means the end of hunger. It's when it tells your brain, okay, I've eaten enough. Well, the problem is animal products lack both fiber and and water and so to process foods whether they're vegan or not and so if you're eating food that doesn't have fiber and water it's going to take a lot more food a lot more calories to fill you up but you never really will get full because fiber plus water equals bulk and bulk creates satiety and so if you ask yourself is the food you're eating a whole food found in nature if the answer is yes does it have the fiber and water intact if the answer is yes eat it this is why i'm not a fan of juicing Uh, Everybody I've known that's done the juicing route has gained their weight back in spades because while it can be helpful to have a green juice, the problem is is you've removed the fiber, you've removed the pulp, you've removed the most important part of the food. And just from a cost standpoint, what it takes to make a glass of green juice, that I could be, that's, if I ate that produce, I would be fuller because of the fiber and I would be eating it all week. I'm not, I'm not against smoothies if they're more green than fruit, but I'm not a fan of smoothies for weight loss for the same reason, because even though the fiber and the water is intact, the Vitamix has reduced the bulk. And when you reduce the bulk, you reduce satiety. How do you know this? This is what I learned at True North when I went there 50 pounds heavier than I am now, having a green smoothie every day, which I thought was what you're supposed to do, is they told me to take all the ingredients in the blender for my smoothie, but instead of pressing the blend button, pour it in a bowl and eat it. 
And when I tried to eat the half a pound of kale and the two cups of berries and the cup of almond milk and the two tablespoons of flaxseed, I couldn't finish it. Mm. So the thing is, is you, you want to eat the fiber and water intact, and if they're, and you don't want to artificially reduce the bulk. Now, dehydrated foods, for example. You know, I went to raw food culinary school. We made all kinds of crackers and desserts. Well, the problem with dehydrated foods is you're removing the water. When you move the water, you decrease the satiety because you need the water and the fiber. So one of the things I learned in volumetrics because she had a lot of visuals is I could have either two cups of grapes or a quarter cup of raisins. Well, what's going to fill me up more? I have tons of these pictures, for example. I don't know if you can see this. Uh, lift, lift it but up what's going to fill you up more? Two French fries or two whole potatoes, okay, right? Wait, show that one one more time and lift okay. it up a little higher. Okay, so two, two French fries or two potatoes have the same amount of calories? So, so here's the thing. No, it doesn't have the same amount of calories. But one of the things that's going to be important in weight loss, because at the end of the day, the calories still matter, is that fat is more than twice as calorically dense as either protein or carbohydrate. So protein and carbohydrates have four calories a gram. Fat has nine calories a gram. So it's more than twice as calorically dense. And alcohol is somewhere in the middle. It has seven calories a gram. That's why it's not really a good food for weight loss. I don't think any liquid calories are good for weight loss, but alcohol especially is, it's, it's, it's I haven't ever been helped. I've not been able to help anybody, especially women, lose weight if they continue drinking alcohol because what happens is when you drink alcohol, the body has to get rid of it first because it's a toxin, and so you stop burning fat. It also is a depressant. It lowers the metabolism, but it's it's not food. It's a drug, you know, and if you're a food addict, you, you, you can't have alcohol because it's the same to your brain as sugar and flour. But the thing is, is when we eat foods like oils and fat, what happens is it's easily and effortlessly stored dietary fat as body fat. It takes less than 3% of the calories in the food to store dietary fat as body fat. When we eat protein and carbohydrates, we can't readily as human beings convert it to body fat. That's something called de novo lipogenesis. Pigs can do it. Human beings cannot do it readily. And so while I don't encourage people to overeat because that's how they got overweight in the first place. The reality is, is if you're eating foods to the left of the red line, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, and legumes, until you're willing to figure out why you're overeating, you could overeat on, on these complex carbohydrates because they can't be stored as fat. What happens is they get burned as heat, escaping through the top of the head or the fidget factor, or it gets, uh, it gets stored invisibly in the muscles of the liver as glycogen. And so you know, if you read Dr. McDougall's book, The McDougall Program for Maximum Weight Loss, he cites the scientific research that explains these for people that want to know it exactly. But it's it's also, you don't get as much food when you're eating fat because it's it's twice as calorically dense. You cannot eat as much of it. And the thing is, is the problem is, is the reason diets fail so often is because they're based on some kind of deprivation, portion control, calorie control, carb control. So you're eating skimpy portions. So what's going to happen is eventually... You know, willpower is a very short-lived thing, I'm sure you know. You're going to get hungry, and so you're going to eat, and then you're going to overeat. But by using the principles of calorie density, you're eating larger meals than you've ever eaten. So you can't get hungry. Satiety actually begins with your eyes. So when you see these huge plates of food that are served at the McDougal program or True North or for people that follow this program, you, you start being full just by seeing it. So that's the problem with eating these high-fat, high-calorie foods is you can't eat as many of them. And and so I, I personally would rather eat large volumes of food that I love than, than little tiny portions of food that, that I maybe love but that are not going to satisfy me nutritionally or or, or volumetrically, you know, it's really, it really comes down to volumetrics and it's, 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 it's a safe and sane and scientifically proven way to lose weight. 
you know, if you can do it. But again, it's these foods, the high fat foods, the French fries, the potato chips, the alcohol, the sugars and flours. There's animal products too that are so addictive that people, they can't stop eating them. So I'm going to I'm going to hit you with two objections that I hear from from folks when I try to talk to them about a sensible diet. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is specifically for people who have been dieting for a long time, trying to lose weight. And they say, I can't stop counting calories. I can't stop restricting portions like it's become so habitual that if you put a giant plate of baked potatoes in front of them, uh, they will, you know, they, they will they'll have a freak out. Like, right. like, like, I'm sure this is going to make me fat. And no matter what you say, it's like telling someone, dive into that empty pool, the water will yeah. appear as soon as you leave your feet. And they simply well, can't do it. Are, are the people saying that generally slender or overweight? They're overweight. it makes a difference how I answer. They're overweight. That's, okay. why, they, that's why they're talking well, to me. They're overweight, and I tell them... To, you know, to, to first change what they're eating and then to eat more of it. Because, because if they were going to eat the same amount of calories, with, if they were going to portion restrict with the foods I'm telling them to eat, they would be eating like birds. They'd be eating 500 to 800 calories a day. So I'm telling sure. them to eat more, eat more. You can have more of this. You can your oatmeal in the morning. You can have a lot of it, a big bowl. Yes, and they are, they are terrified that I've just right. told them to jump into an empty pool and land on their head. Sure. So what I say to these people, because I get a lot of them, they've come from the high protein camp generally, you know, they've done the Atkins and the paleo, but they're still overweight because those diets aren't sustainable because there's really no satiety just eating hunks of meat all day, you know, because, because as I said, it's the complex carbohydrates, the potatoes, rice and beans, the only thing that really truly satisfies your hunger drive. So what I say to the person is, from Dr. Phil, I'm like, well, how's that working for you? Because if they're still overweight, it's not working for them. I fell into that trap too. I couldn't believe I could eat as much food as I could, especially potatoes, rice, and, and, and lose 50 pounds. But I trusted the people that were eating this way. So for me, it took going to True North. And I went there as a patient in January of 2011, 165 pounds, 50 pounds more than I weigh now. And I saw how all the slender people ate there. They have about 30 employees and they would come into the dining room. And a lot of them are, are doctors that you know, like Dr. Clapper, Dr. Lyle. These are, these are gentlemen in their 50s and 60s, all slender. And they would come into the dining room three meals a day. And the, and the plates at True North, by the way, are larger than any dinner plate I've ever seen. I don't know where he, Dr. Goldhammer got these. And they would take not one, but two plates of food every single meal. Tony Robbins says that if you want results in any area, you need to do what somebody that's already been successful does. And so these people are already successful eating these large amounts of foods. And so every time I was afraid, you know, I was working with Dr. Lyle as, as, my, um, as my psychologist, and he would always say to me, he said, okay, just do an experiment. I was at True North for five weeks working. I worked there every uh, holiday season at the holiday cooking extravaganza and privileged to do so. And so he would say, let's just do an experiment. He goes, for the next five weeks, I want you to eat all the potatoes and rice you want. And I guarantee that what's going to happen is either you're going to stay the same, your weight, you're going to, well, no, he didn't say the same. He said, you, he said the worst that's going to happen is you're going to gain a pound. I did that and I lost five pounds. This diet never does not work if you do it the way we, we recommend without adding the higher calorie, high fat foods, it never doesn't work. So for people that have this fear, then they might need to do something like go to a true North or go to McDougal program because, and practice it. That's the thing. Cause they're so afraid. But the thing is, is you can't gain weight eating foods to the left of the red line. It's just, it's impossible. It's been proven in research over and over again, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes. What happens is what ha they want, they like the concept of eating ad libitum, 
but then they don't want to give up the addictive foods that they're eating, like the sugars, flours, alcohol, and oil. So they blame the potatoes and rice. You can't do it. Look at all the, the billions of people, Asians on the planet, they're eating white rice. They're slender. The people that eat these foods are always slender. If you are not slender, it's be, not because you're eating potatoes and rice. It's because you're eating butter or oil or cheese or flour or sugar or something like that. It, it never, you know, Dr. McDougall says this, and it's right. This diet never doesn't work if you follow it the way we're telling you to do it as designed instead of your own loose interpretation of it. So if they're scared, I don't know, again, I don't know how to make somebody not scared, but I would tell them, look, what's the worst it's going to happen. You're already overweight. Let's just try it for 21 or 30 days. Mm -hmm. And you know what happens when they do it? They all lose weight. So they sometimes just have to trust somebody. That's what's, the, that's what's great about being an ultimate weight loss because they come there terrified and they see these people like Shada that have lost 100 pounds and Rebecca that have lost 150 eating the foods that they're afraid to eat and not weighing or measuring. That's the other thing because, you know, I think that I think you can become addicted to the scale, both the scale you step on and the scale you weigh your food on. It's, to me, that's not freedom because I wanted not, I didn't want to just be slender. And I, I mean, I did because I had a, I had a medical problem. I had broken my knee and I was told I needed surgery and I was deathly afraid. And the doctor had said to me, have you ever thought about losing weight? And I felt like saying, no, no, never, never crossed my mind. But the thing was, is he explained that for every pound I was overweight, it was five pounds of additional pressure to my knee. So I was highly motivated to avoid a surgery that was very scary, that did not have a guaranteed outcome. And so, you know, um, what happened is, is, is when I did this and I started feeling better, I realized that the foods that I was eating to lose weight were also the foods that I was eating that were going to um, help me recover from food addiction. And what I felt in my brain, this calm, this peace, uh, this stability for the first time, not having cravings, that was worth more than losing weight. And I realized that what I was really dealing with was a lifelong food addiction. And that's when I started consulting experts outside of the plant-based world, like Kay Shepard and Joan Iflin and Dr. Pam Peek, and learning what they had to say about it, not following their dietary recommendations necessarily. But when I realized that when I treated the food addiction, the underlying problem that my brain was born this way, I come from a family of addicts, food addicts, there's some alcohol and drug addiction in my family, that when I dealt with the food addiction by abstaining from the, pro the products that were uh, driving it, the weight was the weight just came off by itself. So the, so the weight was a symptom. It wasn't the problem. The symptom, the disease was the food addiction. When I dealt with that, and my brain became stable and calm, and I was free of cravings. This was just a bonus. This 50-pound weight loss was a bonus because the truth is, is the way I feel now, not thinking about food 24 hours a day, never actually even thinking about food, eating only when hungry, being willing to eat anything, you know, as long as it's healthy. Because, you know, a lot of doctors say there's no such thing as a picky eater. That's just somebody who's not hungry. To me, I would, I, I would almost even take the weight back just to feel the way I feel in my brain now. And so... Uh, it's great. I mean, that is the freedom. The freedom from food addiction, it feels so much better than than even being slender and than, than the addiction ever felt. And I learned a lot of this by watching a movie 40 years ago almost uh, called Flight with Denzel Washington. And that movie was about an airplane pilot who was addicted to drugs and alcohol, which I've never been. But in his portrayal, it made me realize that that's how I was with food, that even though I was on the road to getting slender, I was still obsessing about it. And so... When these people that are worried about all their weighing and measuring, when they really deal with the underlying food addiction, that goes away. That It just goes away. And you heal it. Your, your brain becomes stable. And for the first time in your life, you're not driven by these cravings. And until you stop eating these flours and sugars and alcohol and highly processed food, those cravings never go away. So 
that's what it takes, but it can be done and you can be happy and, and, and slender and, and, and free from, you know, the beast of, ad- of addiction. Great. So the, I promised you two objections. The second one comes from my clients who have type 2 diabetes, uh-huh. who are terrified specifically right. of white potatoes. Sure. Right. So I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand working with them is nobody has to eat a white potato if they don't want to. But almost everyone can eat a sweet potato and almost everyone can eat beans. And beans, I'm told, are great for diabetics. They're, they're um, a resistant starch, so a lot of the calories don't get absorbed. So, yes, it's very true that uh, somebody that's a diabetic that's maybe even uncontrolled, maybe they can't eat white potatoes for whatever reason, high glycemic or their doctor, but they don't have to. They can eat vegetables. They can eat certain fruits, maybe not to the degree that some of us can. Most of them can eat whole grains. You know, Dr. Barnard wrote a wonderful book on reverse diabetes a PBS special of the same name and people can certainly do it with a plant-based diet because the truth is is if it's type 2 diabetes once they take the weight off they'll no longer be diabetic and very often they can eat some of these foods again so again that's why it's so great if they can go to a live-in place like the McDougal program or True North because then they have medical doctors there watching over them taking their blood pressure every day taking their blood when necessary and they realize that people have done it with this type of diet, you know, it is hard if you're all by yourself at home and, and don't have anybody to um, to talk to, especially if your doctor isn't familiar with using this plant-based nutrition to, to reverse these chronic lifestyle diseases. Mm-hmm. So, so I hear you saying that, you know, the, the, um, the live-in program, the 10-day or the 21-day intensive can be really helpful in kind of rejiggering people's minds and giving them an experience of what's possible, can give them confidence. And I also hear you say that you need something afterwards. Yeah, that, that's where I think the recidivism comes in. Because think about it. I, I don't know the exact statistics with AA, but I think I read at one point that even people that go to the best live-in program and that do the 90 meetings in 90 days, something like it's something like a 67% recidivism rate for alcohol. It's really, really hard. But it's worse for food because... Unlike alcohol, everybody needs to eat, and often multiple times a day. And that's what I've worked on creating through my Ultimate Weight Loss Program is ongoing support. But you're right there. I mean, you know, there's OA, things like that, but people aren't necessarily eating our food plans. So I don't have the answer. I mean, I wish I wish I could create something. I, I mean, I've created something virtually, but when I do my program in person, it's phenomenal because these people are here for, you know, for 30 days, not in my house, but we meet once a week and, and, and the results are, are fantastic. So if you don't see it created, but there are organizations that, that do have, you know, ongoing support, a lot of it's free through Facebook or meetup, but you definitely need support. I don't know very many people who succeed without support. You know, John Dunn said, no man is an island. And it's because disease is a disease that only exists in isolation. Just getting it out there really helps. Like, think about that guy, Bobby Anderson, the plant fuel trucker. He's the guy that cooks with his Instant Pot in his truck and has lost all this weight. One of the things that helps is accountability. And he always posted his meal on Facebook. And now he's got like thousands and thousands of people watching him. And when you do that, it, it really does help. And so, Getting some kind of support system through, you know, virtually if you can't find one in person, you're going to need that because you can go and do these programs, lose the weight, reverse the disease. But if you come back to your exact same diet and lifestyle, you're not going to stay that way. And that that's where I think people there seems to be a disconnect power in people thinking they'll do this diet, they'll lose the weight, and they'll go back. No, I mean you can't. This is the thing. 
you have to love the food you eat while you're losing weight. And that's what's so great about the Ultimate Weight Loss Program. The recipes are delicious. We get to eat all we want. If you don't like it, that's not the program for you because if you, however you lose weight, if you don't keep that up, you will not stay slender. You will gain the weight back. So whatever you do, make sure you like it, you know, because that's, I, there's people, I see this all the time. It's like, oh yeah, I did the McDougal program at work. Well, what happened? Oh, I, you know, I stopped eating. Well, of course. Right. Well, it, it brings to mind a, one of my early marketing teachers um, was talking about his work in the weight loss industry. And he said that, that what they discovered from all these focus groups and from all the testing was that the message that worked in selling, whether it was Jenny Craig or Weight Watchers or any of those programs, was not you're going to lose the weight. It wasn't you're going to be healthy. The, the message that worked was you're going to get to eat the same foods you've always eaten. So if you think about the photographs and you think yeah. about you know the exchanges, it's you're, you're right. still eating pizza, you're still eating chicken fingers, you're still eating cake. And I think that is the, the, a really large influence on our expectations that I don't, you know, how dare you make me change and suffer this way by, by, by um, depriving me of these foods that are my birthright. Right. Well, you know, those programs have a really high recidivism rate. If you really look at the research, Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers, something like, I think, 94 to 97%. Dr. McDougall has always said people are always looking for good news about their bad habits. And so, you know, yes, you can eat those foods in very small portions and lose weight, but good luck keeping it off, uh, you know. So, I guess it just depends what somebody's goals are. And the, the truth is, is I don't know any addict that wants to really give up their addiction. There's no smoker that really ever wanted to quit smoking or no drinker that ever really wanted to quit drinking. Very often they have to hit rock bottom. Their life has to become unmanageable or they have to have a really powerful you know, reason why they want to change. But if you don't change your lifestyle, you're not going to change your life. And so, you know, what can I say? It is. That's why the psychology is so important. That's why, you know, I love people like Dr. Doug Lyle and the work he puts out on this. But it's, you know, we are stuck in the pleasure trap, the book written by Dr. Lyle, Dr. Goldhammer. We're stuck in an environment that is not natural at all. Our ancestors had to deal with getting enough to eat. And now, you know, three-fourths of Americans are overweight. More than half of them are obese. We're the fattest and sickest people in the in the world, yet we spend more on health care per capita than any other country. So, you know, if you want to keep eating your pizza, you know, go ahead. But there's going to be consequences. Right. So ju just to clarify, your program is only for locals or is it can people join? No, I, well, what I do is I do run it locally, but I also run it online. And if you go to eatunprocessed.com, my website, you can buy it. What we've done is uh, my partner, I, John Pierre, actually taped several videos of an actual ultimate weight loss seminar that we get. And we do these throughout the country whenever we can. So we put them on both DVD and CD, but it's also available downloadable. So for people that don't need hard copy. They can watch it online or on their device. And when they get it, there it comes with a 21-day delicious recipe guide. But the most important part is probably the uh, admittance into the private support group, which they, they can't come in any other way other than having a private consult with me. And that's where the magic and the healing seems to really be happening. But, of course, the content is great because you've seen it because you, you were my tech when I gave the lecture and, and just that lecture, it just, it really explains what a person really needs to do nuts and bolts to lose weight, you know? So it's very, and actually you're in it. I mean, not, you're not in it because you needed to lose weight, but you were a guest speaker at, at one of the, at one of the sessions and, and then that's how you got in. So, 
Right. Well, I'm not six foot and 140 pounds yet, so maybe I should check in more often. Yes, I was, you don't have to be. You know, I don't know if you necessarily have to be. <laughs> okay. So for people, if people who want to find out more, where, where do they go? Um, eat on the word eat followed by the word unprocessed.com or you can just Google Chef AJ or Ultimate Weight Loss and they can find out more about it. I'm happy to answer any questions. And so we have fun. We, we, we do some some good work in there. Cool. And, and despite the fact that it's got lots and lots of people in it, it seems like you give really personal attention, you and uh, JP. We do. We, we've got about 800 people now. So we've grown and, and we do. I mean, and I mean, we are accessible. My partner, JP and I you know, I don't want to say 24 hours a day, but almost so, you know, so it, it, it really, and the thing is, is the people are getting so good at this that if I can't be online for a few hours, it, it, they post something, you know, 20 people know the answer. So it's, it's very cool. And that, it, you know, it, sometimes it takes a village and so we've created our, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice group of people. It's supportive. There's no, no negative. It's, it's good people. It's what can I tell you? You know, people you want to hang out with, be friends with. And, and, you know, sometimes even people that aren't doing it yet, they just get inspired. Like they, they call themselves lurkers hmm. and they will get a post saying, you know, I've been here for a year and I've never posted, but now I'm ready to do it. And, you know, Doug Lyle has told me that even an alcoholic that is still drinking, but goes to AA has a better chance of someday becoming sober than someone that does nothing. And so sometimes just being in that group, you know, when you're ready, you're ready. And, and, um, I think it helps to see people, succeed and 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 again it's not just about like we're not just a bunch of pollyannas there are people that relapse but but we're there for them too and and we can help them through that and it's a difficult time for people especially food addicts because there's even more crap food now available in larger quantities than any other time of year but um you know we're doing this thing called 63 days of abstinence we started at halloween we're going to january 1st where we're committing to being you know to not having sugar flour and alcohol you know, I never have those things anyway. So for me, every day is, is, is that, but, but, you know, it, it, it helps people to be doing things as a group and have the support of a group, I think. Right. And, and just, you know, to, to be clear, you, we, we talked earlier and you said that your program is like the last stop on the train for a lot of people. And you said that if, if people right. don't need to do this, then no, they shouldn't do don't. it. You know, I, I think it, here's the thing. If you can get the results, first of all, know what your goals are. And if you can get those results on a less stringent or more lenient program, please, please do it. Most people that come to me have lost weight, sometimes hundreds of pounds, multiple times. Because the reason is, is the underlying disease is that of food addiction. And if you don't deal with that, you're not going to be successful long term. So if you can do a more lenient program, do it. But the problem is, is these more lenient programs... It, allow these treat foods, which are for a food addict, ones causing the disease or, or fostering the disease, the sugars, the flowers, the alcohol. People like to hear good news about their bad habits. And so they want to do these more lenient programs. If you can get the results doing that, do it. But if you want a, a life that is free of food obsession and cravings and freedom from being addicted to food and still be able to eat huge amounts of delicious, satisfying food, that's when you come to me. Awesome. And I've got to say, I've cooked uh, several of the recipes from Unprocessed, and they are delicious. There's, Thank uh, you. And, and we have, you know, 20, and I don't know if I ever sent you because you were an early, you were, you got into the group early, but we have a 21 day recipe guide, which I'll need to send you because there's some really delicious recipes in that as well. Oh, awesome. A peanut sauce made without peanuts and, and things uh, like that. 
Okay. Um, can I share one or two of the recipes with this uh, podcast? Sure. Absolutely. What we'll do is when I'll send it to you, you will we'll find like a couple that, that I think, or I'll just tell you what I think ones that most people would love. And then we'll, we'll, I'll just send you those. And of course, please put it on your website. Absolutely. People seem to love the red lentil chili. That's a really popular one. So we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll pick the two best. Awesome. Cool. Well, Chef AJ... Thank you so much for taking the time to help guide us through this, uh, this minefield of food, food addiction, weight gain, and to, uh, to show us sanity to the, uh, to the left of the red line. Well, thank you. And I learned it all from this guy. I don't know if you can see it. Dr. Goldhammer, the bobblehead. Yeah, it's a bobblehead. Anytime I ask him if I can have something off plan, he just says, no, no, uh. you know? <laughs> so that's, that's the secret. Right. right. Everybody get, get one of these, except get, if you're in my program, get one with my face on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. AJ, thank you so much. Thank you, Howard. Be well. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. That's episode 140. If you're new to the show, you can find archives of all the past shows at plantyourself.com. If you'd like to help support the show, there are several ways to do it. One is obviously to share this episode and others on social media, through email, with friends. Another is to go to iTunes or Stitcher and write a review and let people know what you think. That helps us move up in the ratings so other people can find it who aren't necessarily looking specifically for this particular podcast. And finally, you can become a patron. You can donate a set amount every month or you can make a one-time payment and that really helps defray the cost. The, the more I've done the podcast, the bigger it's grown, the more time it's taking, the more excitement and energy I, I wanna put into it. But the reality is I'm growing a new business in the health space and this isn't supporting itself. So anything you can do to help defray those costs, defray the hosting costs, the equipment costs, the time, the energy, helps. It really helps a great deal. And, and not only that, even if it's just you know a dollar a month, you might think, well, $12 a year doesn't amount to much. Psychologically, I'm amazed at how much it matters to me that people are willing to say, yeah, this is worth something. I'm starting to understand those interminable uh, public radio fund drives and what it means to the hosts and the producers and the engineer when the bells ding and the phones ring. So if you have a few dollars to spare and you think this is a worthwhile thing in the world, uh, I would welcome that. In garden news, it's been a rough couple of weeks for the garden. It was very, very cold and then we had that uh, snowzilla that hit the east coast. It dropped about three quarters of an inch of ice on us here and it lasted for several days. And this past weekend, it started to thaw. Temperatures went up into the 60s, sun came out, and my wife went out and uncovered all of our greens. And they looked pretty bad when the cover came off, but quickly, when the sun came up today and the temperature rose up to about 70, they're back to life. And they're looking healthy and delicious, and I'm gonna go pick some collards and kale for dinner tonight. And I wish for you that whatever in your life has been covered up that could nourish you, that when you push away the cobwebs and when you let it luxuriate in the sunlight, that it springs back to life and becomes lush and green and nourishes you as it did before. And with that, as always, be well, my friends. <laughs>